And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where we take a look at the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And, you know, Dan Delzell joining me for the episodes throughout the the weeks and the months, and even I think we're almost up to two years now, Dan, doing this. And, you know, yeah. every time we get together and talk, even though Easter comes around every year, there's always something new and there's always something exciting to talk about, a new angle or um, a new perspective that comes up as it relates to the world that we live in. And, you know, last year it was the pandemic, and this year now there's still remnants of the pandemic, although things are opening up. But there's, you know, other things that are going on with the the political climate, uh, racial climate, and things like that. And, you know, when we look at it through a worldview, there's a lot of confusion maybe you could say you know a lot of undecided of uh, what we should do you know undecidedness on what we should do how we should react and stuff like that but the one true constant when you look at through the biblical perspective is that you know jesus is the answer he's the way the truth and the life and so that's why it's always fun to have these conversations because even though the bible remains true and is unchanging the world around us changes, and we can always go back to the Bible and talk about uh, the issues of today through that biblical perspective. And And it's Easter, Easter season. And so as we uh, get into the conversation, we're going to talk about Easter. But, Dan, one of the things I want to get your perspective as, as a as a pastor for many years at a church, Redeemer Church in uh, Papillion, Nebraska, you're an author, you've wrote many, many articles, a lot of which can be uh, viewed at thechristianpost.com. But when it comes to these religious holidays, you know, Easter and Christmas, for example, there's the message of the gospel, Jesus being his birth at Christmas time, and then Easter, the death and resurrection. Christmas time, you know, we all as a society will give gifts. And the idea, I guess, of giving gifts stems from when the, the kings, the magi, gave Jesus, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So I think that tradition might be rooted, or at least you can see that there's a biblical kind of connection there. You know, St. Nick and, and even uh, Chris Kringle and then Santa Claus, you know, there's some some roots and some possible, you know, religious traditions and things. But, you know, there's there's a connection, you know, giving gifts to good kids, giving gifts because, you know, Jesus got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So even though it's not biblical, even though, you know, Santa Claus isn't biblical or anything like that, I can still see the tradition stemming from the traditional biblical Christmas story. Now, fast forward to Easter, 33-some years later, and you have Easter, Jesus. It's strictly a biblical, Christian, Jesus-specific event. You know, there's no other Easter we celebrate. We don't celebrate anybody else dying on the cross. We don't celebrate anybody else, you know, raising from the dead and, and giving salvation to all. So this is a specific event that we're celebrating, and if you believe it, you celebrate it. If you don't, you probably don't. Um but then you have those periphery things, much like Santa Claus. You have the Easter bunny and the Easter egg. And to my knowledge and research, there is zero correlation. First off, a bunny doesn't lay eggs. But there's zero correlation to anything remotely specific to the Easter story that we see in the Bible. Um, any idea of how, from your perspective, maybe how this came about, uh, you know, is it, is there any anything from your end that you've researched over the years or maybe have talked to people with that has a correlation? Because I, I just kind of find it humorous that we have a bunny and some eggs as a reflection of the worldview of Easter. Yeah, Son. You know, um, it's kind of interesting because uh, History.com uh, actually reports that, um, that this whole practice with the Easter egg 
uh, was first introduced in the 1700s by uh, some German immigrants in Pennsylvania, and uh, they reportedly had, had brought over their tradition of, you know, uh, rabbit laying, you know, colorful eggs that would be gifts to children. Interestingly, children who were good. So uh, similar to, um, I suppose, the story of Santa Claus and, and you got to, you know, Santa knows that you've been naughty or nice, you know, um, it, it just seems like some of these different traditions develop and then have been picked up by folks who are just looking for a way to maybe give the kids uh, a fun time as obviously children love an Easter egg hunt. They love opening presents at Christmas. And, you know, a third one we, we could throw in the mix would just be, you know, Halloween uh, there at the, you know, at, at the uh, time of Reformation, which obviously isn't nearly as big as Christmas and Easter. Um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even know what, what that is. But, you know, any any Christian who knows anything about church history will know that that, that of course, was uh, when the gospel was really rediscovered, uh, you know, by, uh, you know, Martin Luther and many others during that time, you know, 500 years ago. But it's just interesting that at Christmas, you've got the, uh, you know, the story of Santa Claus. Um, you know, at Easter, you've got sort of the Easter Bunny. Uh, on Reformation Day, uh, you, you've got you've got Halloween going on with trick-or-treating. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there doesn't seem to be any um, real, you know, certainly Christian connection between, obviously, you know, why would you have a, an Easter bunny and eggs and so forth? It's just more kind of a playful, traditional thing, I think, that that, that, that people um, started doing and started enjoying. And, and uh, it, it happens to, you know, fall then, um, you know, in this case, uh, you know, on, on Easter uh, and, and why the bunny um, needed to be associated with Easter rather than just, you know, something else. Uh, but I guess, you know, uh, I suppose it could be an opportunity, just like we're doing here, um, to educate someone about the real meaning of Easter. Because, I mean, there are people in the world who, who know nothing more about Easter uh, than, than the Easter Bunny. They don't really know what it's about. So I guess it gives us an opportunity to, uh, to talk about, you know, the resurrection of Jesus, uh, why that is such a monumental event in the history of the world what ramifications it has for individuals. Um, whereas, you know, having a fun time with an Easter bunny and, you know, Easter eggs, an Easter egg hunt, little baskets. I mean, that like trick-or-treating, like opening gifts at Christmas time. Um, you know, those are just more, you know, kind of fun things that families do. Um, children are able to enjoy it and people of all ages, I suppose. And, and, uh, and even churches then get in on the act and, and try to use that as a way to, maybe um, give the kids something a little fun to do while they're the parents and everyone is coming to church on, on Easter. So it gets approached differently by different people, but um, I don't think we need to make too big of a deal, certainly as Christians, about the Easter bunny one way or the other. Uh, uh, I think doing just what you're doing, I mean, kind of addressing it um, for those who wonder and, uh, and then, um, you know, using it as kind of a, a uh, jumping off point for, Hey, you know, what is Easter about really? You know, what, 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 what is all the celebration about? Yeah. That's the thing that I find kind of interesting because first off you have, uh, the, the, the biblical or the religious celebration, you know, Jesus's birth or his resurrection. And then you have the worldly celebration, whether it be the gifts, the Easter bunny, whatever, but it allows us to provide an opportunity to invite the world that might not be celebrating the religious aspect of the day or the event, you know, right. Halloween has become, you know, you got what, uh, 
trunk or treat at churches where people come to oh, churches, yeah, right. carnivals, you know, carnivals, so people can come. Yeah, um, and yeah. so as an alternative to maybe walking the the neighborhood streets with the scary costumes and stuff. Um, you know, Easter yeah. churches have Easter egg hunts uh, to try to draw people in. So yeah, I mean, if you utilize it as a way to you know reach people. Then I think that you know it's a great thing. It's yeah. a it's a great tool that you can use. Well, and some churches sign right along with the trunk or treat thing. I mean, some churches have even had you know Reformation festivals where they they've had um, you know different little um, places that people stop and learn something about the Reformation while having some sort of little fun activity there uh, at, at different booths or tables or things. So yeah, I mean, you can be very creative. Um, in, in, in how you present, you know, present the message. It's kind of like, you know, what, what we did here in Omaha, um, you know, some, what, 30, 35 years ago when we started doing some gospel rap music, it's like, hey, here's a, here's a medium. Here, here's a way that, as I was working with inner city kids here in, in North Omaha, here, here, here's a type of music they listen to. And, and so let, let's put the message into, um, into that uh, particular uh, medium. And um, I think, and I won't go into all the details, but one of the thousands of tapes that were given away for free, uh, it was kind of interesting that one of them I ended up giving away to uh, a hip-hop artist, Christian hip-hop artist. Of course, he wasn't at the time. He was a seven-year-old boy, but uh, he's Flame, uh, Flame. And I guess he was involved, you know, I guess uh, some lawsuit with Katy Perry, apparently using some of his lyrics or something. But but he is a uh, Christian hip-hop artist who uh, I heard interviewed at a concert in, uh, I think it was Houston, and he talked about this white guy coming through the hood with his bag of tapes, giving away free tapes. Well, I, I went to school in St. Louis where he grew up. And so obviously, and he even mentioned that, you know, one of the songs on the, on the, on the tape that we did, I go into all that just to say that that whole thing was being done and something like 90,000 cassettes distributed, most given away free of charge, not because rap music is anything I mentioned having people listen to because most of it is just, I mean, obviously the lyrics are garbage and, and, and profane, uh, not all of it, but a lot of it. And so, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't listen to the music, but it was a means by which we could reach some inner city kids and were able to do that and really influence children um, so that, you know, some of them, like Flame has done, could go on and, and, and express the gospel. Um, yeah, it's interesting because he even took classes at the seminary where I attended in St. Louis then. You know, so, but when he was a young boy, his first exposure to Christian music was that, was that cassette. And, and so, um, you know, there'll be some kids who are going to go to a Reformation festival or maybe their family's going to go to an Easter egg hunt on Easter at a church and they're going to hear the gospel that the pastor presents that day or they're going to be given some maybe Christian literature or something. And so, you know, as Christians, we're always looking for ways to, um, to be able to bring the gospel to people. And, and if, we can, if we can use contemporary Christian music, uh, if we can use drama, if we can use a special event, um, there are all sorts of ways to do that, and uh, and a lot of times, you know, you can have have fun with folks at the same time. Um, but but the message, of course, is is uh, the most serious, important, critical message of all time, um, and that's really what we want to get into the hearts and heads and minds of people because it can change their life and and give them eternal life. Look at you, the Santa Claus of rap music, giving out cassettes. OG. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's, right. you know, but that, but that's the thing. I mean, cause you look at what Jesus did, you know, Jesus, he was a part, you know, he's the savior of the world. We talked last time about Palm Sunday, how he rode in on the, the donkey, a lonely, a lowly animal. 
It wasn't yeah. the triumphant return to Jerusalem like a lot of people thought. It wasn't, you know, Prince Ali from Aladdin coming in with all his entourage and stuff. It was, you know, right. a guy on a lowly donkey going to Jerusalem, palm branches, clothing, you know, whatever was just around was laid down. Right. And so that was him. He was just a part of everyday society he would sit and dine with the common folk he would sit and talk with the sinners he would be there you yeah. know with the with the 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 people at the pharisees and the sadducees thought we were just you know the scum of the earth and that's who he was he was just a part of everyday life and so you know right. as christians we can take that example and we can be in the world but not of the world and utilize some of those things to get the message out such as yeah, easter that's right yeah. Um, now, one of the things, too, that I find is kind of interesting is um, a lot of people will sit there and they'll look at Easter and they'll look at the Easter message. And again, Easter is and Christmas, but Easter is usually one of the Sundays, Easter Sunday, that everybody goes to church, whether or not you are a practicing religious person or not. You're going to go to mass. You're going to go to church. You're going to go somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's an opportunity to be able to get the gospel message out. But there's a lot of people that have some some issues, I guess, with really trying to understand, you know, Easter. For example, a lot of what we do as Christians, we take on faith that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have faith that we believe and Jesus forgives our sins. You know, we believe mm-hmm. we have to take on faith that we confess with our sins and Jesus forgives us. But yet when it comes to the cross, there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, Jesus's body, if I just saw, like doubting Thomas, you know, if I had evidence, then maybe I could yeah. believe more. And you wrote an article right. about that, uh, talking about the Messiah's critics, you know, they couldn't produce his body. And for some reason, you know, you have the Shroud of Turin, you know, which is something that people kind of get ooh and ah about. And, but there's this evidence thing that we need to have in order to prove that Jesus, you know, died physically on the cross and rose again. Yeah. And if we had that, then we'd be able to know, you know, and I find that kind of really interesting and kind of a, the heart of the matter, because are we going to yeah. be those type of people that need that evidence or are we going to need to be the type of people that believe on faith? And I think that's a crossroads for a lot of people, especially those that, you know, might not really be practicing their faith, but only show up on, on Easter and maybe Christmas. Yeah, you know, what What it makes me think of here, just in terms of current events, and actually going on right now as we speak, Song, is the trial of the Minneapolis police officer, uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, you know, uh, who's being, who's been charged, you know, with the murder of George Floyd and that, just that horrific uh, event that, that so many people witnessed. I mean, because of the video evidence, and there were the eyewitnesses there, and, you know, so those eyewitnesses uh, are testifying even today in court but what's interesting about that, Son, is that, um, you know, those who are prosecuting that case, they are um, relying heavily upon the eyewitness testimony so that um, a, a decision can be made based on that, not based on a blind faith. Uh, you know, if, if there was no video evidence and, and if there was no eyewitness evidence, then what would you really have? Um, you wouldn't probably have much of a case at all. And, and, and the same, uh, you know, can be said in, in, in many respects to what Jesus did because of all the eyewitnesses. In fact, there's a beautiful description that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, uh, about the gospel. And, and he writes in the beginning of verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And now if you just stop right there, 
you, you, you might say, well, okay, so God just wants us to accept it on almost a, almost a blind faith or, or just a faith in the words of Scripture. That's all we're going to have. But, but actually, it goes on then to say, um, uh, not only that he was raised on the third day, but then it writes, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter. Okay, so now we're going to have an eyewitness. And then to the twelve, okay, more eyewitnesses. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, hundreds of eyewitnesses, most of whom are still living. So in other words, people who are going to read what Paul's writing here, they could go and check that out some. They could say, oh, yeah, you know, this is a very important point. Let me go and, and, because I'm skeptical, you know, kind of like you said, like Thomas, the person might say, I'm skeptical. I mean, because I think Paul's maybe a little biased toward toward, uh, Jesus. Um, even though he had been a, a persecutor of Christians before he was converted. But regardless, um, it's very interesting that, that, that Paul would say here, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, he writes, and meaning they have, you know, they, they've died and gone to heaven. Uh, and then Paul writes, then he appeared to James, another eyewitness, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Um, so, so, and Paul had his encounter there with the Lord on the Damascus Road. Um, but, but what's interesting, son, and, and you'll hear atheists, for example, um, especially in, in the day in which we live, um, seek to describe Christianity as nothing more than blind faith um, without really any evidence at all. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, while it is true that faith is required to become a Christian, there's no question about that, it is equally true that there, that there was tons of eyewitness testimony and, and, and that this was written down um, so that people could evaluate the eyewitness testimony. Um, and not only that, Son, but, but what I find to be um, equally powerful, and that's why I wrote that article, The Messiah's Critics Couldn't Produce His Body. What I find uh, to be equally powerful is, is that Jesus, whose body was laid in a tomb that was sealed with a large stone and, 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 and had, a, had guards there at the, at the tomb, um, what I find equally uh, amazing and evidential here in this is that, is, is that these apostles then, who were very fearful after Jesus' death, they were very dejected because they didn't quite understand you know, that this was going to happen. Um, I mean, Jesus had talked to them about this, but they still weren't, they weren't really um, aware of, of what was going to go down here. Um, and so Jesus was crucified. They were hiding for fear that, hey, maybe, you know, maybe we're going to be next. Uh, and, then, and then Jesus appeared to them, according to the scriptures here. He appeared to them. But, but I guess the, 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 the skeptic, the, the question the skeptic needs to answer is, if he didn't appear to them, you know, as Christianity purports, if he didn't appear to them, then, then um, why couldn't Jesus' enemies produce his dead body if he was still dead, okay? Why did they, how, did, how could they lose track of the body? Uh, you know, there's no way somebody would have just gone in there and, and overpowered the guards and, and been able to take it. Um, I mean, you know, it just wouldn't have happened. But, but then even more uh, important than that is why would these apostles, many of them, go on to die a martyr's death proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, because they would have known that it was a lie if it had been a lie. They would have known it was a lie if they were just pretending 
that they saw Jesus alive and, and touched him and, and, and witnessed his resurrection. They would have known it was alive. And, you know, it's been said, Son, that no, no, at no time, no place in the history of the world have people ever died for a lie knowing it was a lie. I mean, many people have died for a lie assuming it's the truth, whether it be the terrorists who flew into the Twin Towers on 9-11 who assumed they were, were, were dying for the truth or, or, or many other people who've died for something that they assumed was the truth only to find out after they died, oops, I guess we got it wrong. But, but it's just such powerful evidence that Christianity got off the ground and has, has been running ever since um, because those individuals who were told in the Bible actually ran to the tomb. You know, um, they ran to the tomb when, when they heard, uh, you know, when, when Mary Magdala, you know, reported that, you know, Jesus's body is gone, you know, um, they ran to the tomb and, and they witnessed an empty tomb and then they, they spent time with Jesus. Um, and, and Jesus hung out with them for a number of weeks. Um, and, and then he ascended into heaven. So this is where faith comes in then. Okay. So there, there's plenty of evidence. Um, but then it does take faith. At the end of the day, every person, every person gets to make a decision based on the evidence. Do I believe that Jesus died and rose again for my salvation? And that if I trust in him, I too will rise with him and live forever in heaven. Or don't I believe that message? And everyone, son, gets to, to make that decision. Everyone gets to decide. But, but make no mistake about it. Um, there, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. It's not a blind faith. You know, God doesn't ask us to believe in something without any evidence. Although he, he could have done that. You know, he could have just said, you need to believe this, but I'm not going to give you any evidence. Instead, what did the Lord do? He gave us, you know, 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah that were all fulfilled in Jesus. He gave us plenty of eyewitness testimony after the death and resurrection of Jesus. He gave us apostles who went out to be martyred for their faith, knowing that they were dying for the truth because they had witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. And what the skeptic is forced to believe, if he's going to reject Christianity, is, is that, um, no, I, I don't, I, I just can't come to accept um, the idea that Jesus rose from the grave, even though his fearful followers were turned into brave witnesses. Um, so they have to work that out. They have to somehow, um, based on the evidence on, decide, if they're going to say no to this, they're going to have to come up with some reasoning. Um, and some people even go so far, although no reputable historian would ever back this. Some people go so far as to say, well, Jesus never even existed. Well, try to find any reputable historian who, who, who will support that. You won't find one. So the evidence for Jesus's life, his death, and his resurrection is huge. And this is why many, many people in the world in recent, uh, the past couple of decades, have, have, have been kind of changing their mind about um, the resurrection because of the evidence, because of the evidence, they're coming to place their faith in, in a risen Christ. So um, we serve a risen Savior. Um, he's alive today, but, but everyone gets to, just like the jurors are going to do here with the George Floyd trial, every juror gets to, to, to listen to the evidence, um, come to their own decision, and either say yes to Jesus or no, um, I'm going to reject, I'm going to reject that premise that Christianity puts forth. So, so Easter, as you and I know, is a million times more significant than having an Easter egg hunt. Um, it, it's about eternal salvation. It's about what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with the evidence? And, um, you know, it, it, nothing is more critical in life than that. Do you think that we 
as a society, as Christians, as the church even? Do you think that we don't put enough emphasis on Easter? I mean, we think about the, you know, the calendar year or the church calendar even, and we go from event to event, we get complacent. Hey, it's Easter. Hey, now it's summer. Now it's a hey, fall. And now it's, you know, Christmas. And we go through the motions and we start to, um, just kind of take it for granted, I guess you can say. Take our faith for granted. And not that we need to have celebratory days because every day could be an Easter day. You know, every day is the celebration that Jesus rose again. Every day is a resurrection day where we, you know, repent and we are, re- and we are saved and our sins are washed away. You know, every, every day is that day because it's a continual battle every day that we have with our sinful nature. But, um, when we look at Easter, you know, there's a lot of periphery that comes along with it, like we mentioned with the Easter eggs and stuff. But do you think it's one of those things that, you know, when you look at the calendar, New Year's, every year it's something new, something exciting. We're, we're banking that the new year is going to be better than last year. We're, we're hoping that the new year is going to be better than last year. And it's almost like, you know, Easter's should almost be kind of that kind of, you know, excitement because, Every year we can have an actual reminder that the next year in our personal lives, the next year in our faith, the next year in our walk with God can be a lot better than maybe it was before. It could be, you know, kind of one of those points on the calendar that, you know, okay, this is the day that I can now, you know, kind of refocus. That's what we do. You know, we like to have things, tangible things, dates, birthdays. You know, we do that all the time. It's our birthday, mm-hmm. and now this next year of my life is going to be so much better than last year. Or I'm going to try to, you know, increase upon the success I have and do away with the bad. You know, so, so we're people of dates. You know, we need dates to help us. And it's almost like, you know, if we look at Easter that way, not necessarily the date, but that, you know, what Jesus actually did and taking a day to really remember and to really you know, uh, meditate on what he did because it's easy to sit there and just kind of dismiss, Oh, he died and he rose again. And Hey, that's great. And we can all carry on. But the sacrifice that he made, you know, the things that he went through, the, the punishment that he took for us, you know, all that stuff that he did not deserve, nor, you know, did he even, uh, I don't want to say he didn't want, but you know, he was on the cross saying, Hey, if this, you know, cup should pass from me, Lord, let it, you know, he was like, yeah. he was willing to do this, even though in essence, and again, I want to be careful how I say this, you know, he didn't deserve it basically. And yet he took right. upon the sins of the world for us. And yet sometimes we just sit there and, and we just leave it as that, you know, it's like, Oh, it's a, an event right. that happened right. and yay for us. Yeah. I, I think that that happens to us on um, when we, um, do not take very good care of the garden uh, of our mind. Um, I, I think about one of those uh, apostles. In fact, uh, you know, Peter, who were told um, in, in uh, the Gospel of John that um, when he heard that the tomb was empty, um, he, he, he started for the tomb, but, and he actually was running. So this, this, this guy who had denied the Lord three times, uh, and, and, and was just feeling so terrible about what he had done. Um, the good news that can lift all of us, because we're all like Peter in that sense, we've all denied Christ at times by our behavior. Um, uh, there is good news. There's hope there, you know, he, and, and he became, he became so excited, um, that it overcame, it overwhelmed his previous remorse, his previous denials. And I think about something that, that, that Peter, uh, that, that, that Peter wrote there in his uh, second letter there, chapter 3, um, and he writes, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And and this is, I, I would say, son, um, 
75% of the Christian life is, is that our minds be stimulated to wholesome thinking. 25% then is, is what results from that, you know, because God produces fruit in our lives. God produces good works. God produces lives of service. God produces loving acts toward others. God produces compassion and justice and mercy and all these things. But what first needs to happen in the life of every Christian, all of us, every day of our life on earth, is, is we need, our minds need to be stimulated to wholesome thinking. So while I think you're correct in, in that we as Christians sometimes, it just almost becomes ho-hum, um, I, I think we have to admit that's on us if it's become ho-hum. Because, because um, if, we, if we do not put in the right focus to stimulate our mind to wholesome thinking, our, our energy level, our, our, our motivation, our zeal for this message and for reaching others with it, it will lessen because we are sinful. You know, as D.L. Moody said, um, we are leaky vessels and we need to be filled up every day, uh, referring to the fact that, that to be a spiritual Christian isn't just a one-time act, but, but we need to be filled up every day. And, and Moody also said we need to be emptied before we can be filled. So, so Peter now, he was being filled with joy when he ran to the empty tomb. Um, he was being filled with power and, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit there, son, as he wrote these epistles to, uh, to stimulate the minds of, of Christians. But, but this, this is especially a challenge for Christians in our day because we are bombarded with information on social media, uh, through the news, through the world's system, and, and, it, and it is becoming increasingly difficult for Christians to, um, above all else, as it says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. But this remains the challenge and the opportunity for believers today. We can be very excited uh, about the resurrection of Christ. And, and when you mention that, um, about why maybe sometimes we, we almost tend to lose sight of that somehow, um, I, I'm reminded of something Billy Graham said one time in one of his messages, uh, he was, I think, somewhere in Europe, maybe, and one of the archbishops or somebody over there was a Christian uh, leader over there uh, who said to him, I think Billy Graham maybe asked him, hey, is there any advice you, can, you could give me? You know, I mean, because here, here you are, you know, in, in your land, and, and you're serving the Lord, and you know a little bit about me and my ministry. Any advice? And, and this uh, Christian leader said to him, preach more about the resurrection. And, and, and that really stuck with Billy Graham, uh, because, you know, as Christians— um, we spend a lot of time, as we should, talking about uh, the death of Christ for our sins. Um, and, but right along with the death, um, uh, equally important is the resurrection of Christ. And, and so these two together provide such a powerful, powerful um, uh, move in anybody's life who, who will accept the death and resurrection of Christ for their salvation, who will rely upon it, who will put their faith, dear son, in those objective events. And that's the interesting thing about Christianity is that, is that God doesn't ask us to, to look inside our hearts and to try to find something there noble or, or, or some spark within some divine spark or something that we're supposedly born with and, and put our faith in that or in our feelings or anything like this at all, or even in our, our efforts. No, God says, look outside of yourself at something I did for you outside of you that is rock solid and, and, and the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ are as rock solid as you, as you can get. But, but what's not rock solid for many people yet son, is that they not yet placed even an ounce of faith in those objective events for their own salvation. 
this is the key to becoming a Christian. Um, looking outside yourself, not inside yourself. Looking outside yourself at what God did for us on the cross, and then in the tomb when he came out, he did that for us. And, and a Christian is someone who looks to those events and says, he did that for me, he did that for my salvation, for my forgiveness, to give me that free gift. You know, you were mentioning the gifts of Christmas gifts and, and Easter eggs and all these things that the world, the world loves gifts, as we, you know, we all do. But, but the greatest gift, you know, is, is God's gift to us in his son. And that's why the Bible says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, you can describe an Easter egg or a Christmas gift you got here a few months ago, but try to describe the gift that God's given you, and you can't even hardly put it into words. It's so incredible that now you as a believer are going to be able to live forever in paradise because the Son of God came from heaven to earth, uh, endured an excruciating death for your sins and mine, and he rose on the third day from the empty tomb. Try to find anything in this lifetime that is even one one millionth as important as that. And I challenge you to find it. You'll be hard-pressed to find it. This is so off the charts that this might be one of the reasons, Son, why maybe we become complacent. Because it's almost too good to be true. You know, it would seem. But but, uh, thankfully, we know it is true. And now our challenge is to stimulate our minds to wholesome thinking and not to get pulled down into just the wrong way of thinking or what the world always wants to just focus on. Because if we just look at bad news all the time and don't celebrate God's good news, how in the world are our minds going to be stimulated? How are we going to do what it says in the Bible? How are we going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, as it says in Romans, rather than conform to the world? So this is the opportunity we have, not only at Easter, but every day, you know, that God gives us to live for him here on earth. You know, Dan, as we talk about gifts and we've kind of mentioned Christmas, you know, I heard a message uh, years ago from J. Vernon McGee, and he uh, was talking about the cross as the first Christmas tree. And when you first think about it, you're like, what in the world would he be talking about? But you think about the gift that Jesus left at the foot of that tree, mm-hmm. you know, for us. And like you said, with the resurrection or without the resurrection, the cross and the death is insignificant. With the resurrection, you know, you have now the resurrected Savior that gives us that gift, and that gift is eternal life. And so, you know, when we approach the cross, like you said, a lot of times it's a somber event, and it is, but yet in the aftermath of it, it's a celebration because Jesus not only died and rose again, but he left us a gift, and probably left us many gifts if you really want to think about it, but if we just want to focus on the one, it's the resurrection, it's, it's eternal life. You know, we have the gift now of eternal life that he left at the foot of that cross, that first Christmas tree, that we can celebrate, that we know that we can open up and realize that we're going to be with him for all eternity, and all we have to do is accept and believe. And all we have to do is confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that allows us then to go out there and run that race to win the prize so that we can hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so I think that, you know, again, we as the Christians, you know, sometimes we get to all in somber and the religion and stuff of it, but it's the celebration of it. It's it's the gift that he left. It's it's the the 
the amazing, you know, it's, 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 you can't really put into words what he did because the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate love, you know, that right. who would do that? You know, I'm not going to go to jail yeah. for anybody, you know, maybe there were right. one or two people, but I'm not going to do that, let alone right. die for somebody, you know, hey, yeah. I didn't do it, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to go die for somebody and take their punishment. Are you kidding me? Especially people right. I don't know, strangers. Are you, are you nuts? But here Jesus, right. you know, became man and did that for us. And I think it's just amazing for us to take that and to really ponder on that and the significance of it and to realize that, you know what, what he did was just awesome and that gift that he left at the foot of the cross or maybe yeah. even at the empty tomb, maybe put at the empty tomb, uh-huh. uh, you know, is, is everlasting life. And so there is a gift there for us to take and there is a gift just there waiting for us and all we have to yeah. do is just scoop it up and believe and it's ours. Yeah, I think that's very well said, Son, and, and I I think Jay Vernon McGee was right on, on target when he referred to the cross as the first Christmas tree, uh, because what greater gift could there ever be? And, and I also think about um, your comment there a moment ago about how, you know, without the resurrection, then, I mean, then it's just a death. I mean, how does it benefit us? If without the resurrection, you're exactly right. And, and, and you know, the greatest apostle, Paul, he wrote that in First Corinthians. He said, just what you were saying, he said, if Christ in First Corinthians 15, uh, verse 14 and following, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has, has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And, and, and so um, you said it a moment ago, Son, and this is what Paul's writing about here. Without the resurrection, then we are lost. Um, without the resurrection, we're to be pitied more than all men. Now, why would he write that? Because when you look at how Christians suffer around the world, uh, and I'm not talking, obviously, about America. I'm talking about places where real, serious persecution is happening right now and, and has been happening for a long time. Um, when you look at that, and, 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 and then if you, all of a sudden you were to, to take that and, and, and then take heaven out of the equation, take paradise out of the equation, and here are these people suffering horribly for the gospel because they're Christians, if they're going to die and then that, that be it, then they're to be pitied more than all men. Uh, but But thankfully... The resurrection did happen, and therefore the martyrs don't need to be pitied. Those who, who, who are persecuted while we, we, they need our intense prayers, we don't need to pity um, what God has waiting for them. Um, but we, we are called to, um, to try to assist them in any way we can. The biggest way is with our prayers. Um, but boy, without the resurrection, yes, Christians should be pitied more than everyone. But, but because of the resurrection and because of Christ's death for our sins, son, we have the guarantee of eternal life in heaven. And, and it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to know, you know, Jesus is your savior. And I would just say, if there's anybody listening to this son, that if they don't know, if you don't know my friend yet, that heaven is your home. And today, uh, you can come to Christ in simple childlike faith. You can turn away from your sin and you can place your faith in something that happened outside of you 2000 years ago. Not maybe in some religious experience you had, you know, in your life. I mean, those can all be well and good, and, and God can use those things at times. But, but don't place your faith in that. Don't place your faith in some religious experience. You know, um, don't doubt your faith because, you know, maybe the feelings aren't what you thought they were, what they used to be. 
look outside yourself. And as you place your faith in his death for you and his resurrection for you, you will find that your feelings will start to follow that. Um, you'll, 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 they'll start to come into line with that. And more importantly, um, you won't be placing your faith in your feelings because you can't trust your emotions. You can't trust your feelings. You can trust Jesus. You can trust what God has done for you to save you. Um, so, so keep your eyes there. Let God's word stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And just watch how your life begins to level out. I'm talking now in terms of your peace. I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, how your life goes in terms of free from trouble or not. I mean, because Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. So, so don't believe Satan's lie that if somehow you're going through a tough time that God must be mad at you or something like this. Um, look at all the Christians who've, who've made it through the tough times they had in this, in this life, and now they're in heaven. Why? because their faith was in Christ and yours can be too. And if it hasn't you know, been placed in Christ, what better time than this week, this Holy week leading up to, um, you know, Monday, Thursday, uh, when Jesus celebrated the Lord's supper with his disciples, good Friday, when he was crucified for your sins on the cross and mine as well. And then, uh, Sunday and Easter Sunday, we celebrate his resurrection. This is the year, my friend, um, come to God today though. Don't wait until, you know, this weekend, do it now. Do it now and, and trust Christ and then celebrate his death and resurrection this weekend with other Christians in a church where God's grace is, is, is shared and proclaimed clearly from the Bible. And, and you'll be so glad you did. You know, Dan, for those people out there that doubt, I can't because my life is this or I'm not worthy and all the excuses that people might make. All they have to look to is the thief on the cross. Because all he did was yeah. believe. He had no opportunity to do anything other than believe. Mm. You know, you had, the two, you, had, you had the two uh, thieves, you know, the two thieves on the cross. One accepted yeah. Jesus, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The other rejected yeah. Jesus. And so the thief on the cross could do nothing. He, he's doomed. Man, yeah. under earthly punishment, doomed him to death. He's on the cross. He's in the process of dying. He's not coming down yeah. and doing good works. He's not coming down and going to church. He's not coming down and doing right. anything. He just believed. Right. And so the yeah. correlation there is if you doubt yourself that you're not worthy of because of your actions or because of whatever you've done, first off, you're not dead yet, so you do have time to change. But second of all, and most importantly, the thief on the cross, he just believed. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that's the start. All you have to do is believe that you want to be saved. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. And that's the first step. Because then he'll start to transform you and change you. And then those things that you are concerned about, those things that you doubt in yourself as being worthy to be a Christian or Christ follower, will begin to fall off. And that weight will begin to go away. And you'll start to transform. And so um, I think that's often missed sometimes. It's just the simplicity of the thief on the cross just hanging there with Jesus and being like, I believe. And Jesus is today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, I love that, Son. I think that is such a good point. And, and really, I would have to say that, that that statement from Jesus or the thief on the cross, and then one other one here I'll share in a second, uh, are really probably my two favorite statements from the Lord that really sum up what, 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 why Easter is such an important um, event. Um, one of them was exactly as you said, what uh, Jesus telling that thief, today you'll be with me, with me in paradise. Uh, and, and as you, as you laid out there, Son, um, 
it was simple childlike faith. What else could he offer? He had nothing to offer, uh, but, but simple trust in the Savior. And, and, and so when, when he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he, he, he's turning to the Lord in faith. He, he, he's saying, Lord, save me. You know, and, and the Lord, as you said, uh, then told him to be with me in paradise. And the other quote from Jesus was um, during his, his ministry um, there and, and uh, you know, after, um, after Lazarus, you know, after the Lord raised Lazarus from the dead, um, in, in John chapter 11, Jesus said a verse that has been used in so many funerals, so many Easter messages, one of the most beautiful statements ever made by our Lord in, in John 11, 25 and, and 26, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, I'll tell you, Son, that is every bit as beautiful as John 3.16. They say the same thing. You know, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is what we mean when we say the gospel. This is what Paul meant when in, in 1 Corinthians 15, what I read earlier, when he said this gospel, you know, that, 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 that I, I brought to you um, is summed up in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the good news is the gospel. The gospel is good news. The gospel is the message that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Simple, childlike faith. And as you said, son, that's the beginning of the Christian life. That's where it begins. Um, and then from there, uh, once a person is in the family, then uh, you begin to live for the Lord. Um, but, but always uh, that, the, the salvation, uh, the forgiveness, um, justified by, by grace through faith. That's the foundation of the Christian faith. That is the heartbeat of the Christian faith. Um, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and this, you know, it, this is why um, though so many miss it, son, because it, 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 it's referred to in the Bible as a stumbling stone. For example, many Jewish individuals, uh, and the Bible says the gospel is first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. I mean, God loves the Jewish people. He loves all people. But, but many Jewish people have stumbled over this message and not trusted Christ as Savior because they just, they just can't quite seem to um, be willing to put their faith in what Jesus did for them on the cross. Um, and, and, uh, but, of course, many Gentiles as well, um, you know, many unbelievers, they, they, they stumble over this. They, they just um, are maybe too, too proud to say, you know, I'm a sinner. I, I need this Messiah. I need this Savior. He's the only one. And by the way, there is no other Messiah coming. You know, uh, the Old Testament, um, t you know, told us that, that the Messiah was going to come out of Bethlehem. Uh, you know, uh, the prophet Micah prophesied that, um, you know, some 500 years before Christ was born. Um, and, and yet, um, even though Jewish scholars have, have pointed to Bethlehem as the place where the Messiah would come from, it boggles the mind, son, to think, that there are so many people, especially so many Jewish people, who are not being told by their rabbis that we have a Messiah who came from Bethlehem, a town of about a thousand people, you know, when he was born. I mean, God put it all out there in the Word. Um, you know, Isaiah, uh, you know, gave the prophecy uh, of Jesus, um, you know, Isaiah 53, that just clearly points to, um, to, to the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, and, and yet it's so clear, son, that many rabbis, won't even read uh, Isaiah 53 in the synagogue be, be, because it so clearly points to Jesus. So there is this, uh, on the part of many Jews and Gentiles in the world today, many unbelievers in the world today, there is such um, uh, an opposition in their minds to Jesus, and they don't even know why. They, they can't even tell you why it is. 
but it, it's because all of us in our sinful nature and, and then also with Satan's influence involved, um, we're not naturally drawn to him. We have to be supernaturally drawn to him and brought to him, really. Um, supernaturally brought to him, but we're not naturally drawn to him. Um, this is why so many don't come. But, but, but those who will humble themselves and, and just kind of get out of the way as the Holy Spirit brings you into this new birth, you know, simply believe it. Um, I mean, you know, you know son, if, if we were to tell a thousand children around the world, um, you know, let's say young children. I mean, just like, you know, my wife came and I would, would tell our kids at a very young age about, you know, God's love for them and, and Jesus dying for them. And, and you know, if you, you could have asked any one of our four kids probably when they were three years old, you know, well, why, 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 are, why, are, why are we going to go to heaven when we die? And they would have told you because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So we, we gently, persistently, um, uh, you know, shared that with them from a very early age. And so they had no reason to ever doubt it. But I tell you, son, think of a thousand children across the spectrum. Um, we're, we're, we're given that message. You're not going to have children rejecting that. Um, but sadly, there are many parents who don't know it themselves, haven't come to believe it themselves. So obviously they're not going to be teaching that to their children because they don't know the source of salvation. So this is our mission, to get the word out. Um, and, and like I say, sadly, many children, if only they could be given this message, um, they would they would readily accept it because they don't have those um, those barriers in place that, that that many many of us tend to, to put in place as we get older. So so Easter is a great time to deliver the message to folks, pray that they'll receive it, son, and then just celebrate the eternal life that Jesus brings us because He truly is the resurrection and the life. You know, Dan, the other thing I like about uh, the Easter story when you talk about Peter, you know, running. To the tomb you met you were talking about that it kind of reminds me you know you look at peter and his life and i think a lot of us could be peter like you know we're walking on water looking at jesus all is good then we right. start to look around and oh wait there's waves and storms and we start to sink then you right. know, we're quick to defend him we're going to lop off somebody's ear in defense of him but then we're going to turn around yeah. and deny him three times but then the difference and i like that it's a correlation that i was thinking of while you were talking mm-hmm. you know when adam and eve first sinned they hid from god and, you yeah. know, they, they were hiding from him when he was in the garden. Well, Peter, right. even after all that, he's running to the tomb. Yes. After he denied Jesus three times, he's now running to the tomb. He's not hiding. He's running to the right. tomb. And then ultimately yeah. you had the opportunity to uh, affirm Jesus three times and um, and repent of that. But I find Peter, you know, as somewhat inspirational from the standpoint that, you know, a lot of yeah. us are that way. You know, a lot of us are, are both, That's you right. know. He's the epitome of, of, you know, a sinful nature, yet a Christ follower. We're going to one minute, you know, be trusting in him and everything's going to be great. The next minute we're going to be lopping off people's ears and falling and sinking into the storms and, and denying him and saying, no, I don't, I don't know Jesus. But then, you know, we can still have that faith and that ability to repent and run to Jesus and to fall in his arms and to look forward to seeing him again and, and not shy away from him like Adam and Eve did because, um, you know, he's there for us. He's there for us regardless of what we are. In spite of our sin, he's there for us. Yeah, you know, great great example, Son, and it makes me think about what the power of the Holy Spirit um, can, can do. Because, of course, um, this was even before, obviously, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell uh, upon, uh, upon the believers there on that, on that wonderful day when they were empowered to go out and be witnesses. Um, this is Peter running to the tomb, as you say, after he denied the Lord. But, but you know what it shows us? It shows us on the power of Christ's resurrection. You know, when we're focused inward on ourselves and all of our shortcomings and sins, 
um, like you say, we're like Peter. I mean, Peter denied the Lord three times, and, and we've done it how many times? You know, uh, more than that. Um, but if we just focus on that, there's no power in it. There's only guilt and shame. You referenced Adam and Eve, you know, hiding, trying to cover themselves with fig leaves, the way that many people try to, you know, cover themselves with the fig leaves of their religion. I mean, think about it. How many people in the world, Son, they, they go to a church service, they go to Mass, and, and they're under the assumption that I have to jump through these hoops to cover my sin. I have to do this. I have to do this weekly or daily or whatever. I have to do this because I'm guilty. Um, whereas um, real Christianity, um, while it certainly involves, um, you know, confessing our sins whenever we have, have sinned against God, I mean, that's it's certainly a big part of Christianity, ongoing uh, faith and confession uh, of sin to the Lord. But, but even more than that, uh, what, what Christianity really is about is, is, is walking in that power of not only the death, but also the resurrection of Christ. And, and Peter running to the tomb illustrates how you can run as a disciple in victory and not just be bogged down by the guilt of your sin, always looking inside, always you know thinking about what a horrible, miserable sinner you are and trying to cover yourself. Um, I mean, God knows what, what a horrible, miserable sinner all of us are. But, but, you know, pride can be, um, pride can come at us from two different directions, Don. Pride can either be, look at what a, a, a good person I am. And, and pride can be self-righteousness, as it is, uh, you know, for many, um, not putting their, their uh, faith in Christ, but in their own righteousness. But pride can also come from the other side, um, where you, you just look at how terrible you, 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 you know that you are, and, and, and you just focus on that. You get overwhelmed with the guilt and the shame and, and the badness of your life. Rather than finding that place of power, which is bringing your sin to the Lord, um, running then, well, kneeling at the cross uh, there for the gift, the first Christmas tree, kneeling there, and then, and then in the power of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit, running um, with the message of, of the cross and the empty tomb. So, uh, yes, Peter running to the tomb uh, illustrates how we can live today. Um, uh, and even in those countries, Son, where, where um, Christians are being persecuted and, and having to, to, to meet in secret and so forth, um, in their hearts, they are running to the Lord. They are running to serve him. Um, they are facing great opposition like the long-distance runner, the marathon runner, um, maybe the Olympic runner who, who just has, um, you know, they're, they're so exhausted, but, but they're, so, um, they're so motivated to, um, to just finish the race. And, and so, uh, Peter's race would, would get, um, would get rather long. I mean, that was kind of at the beginning part, uh, at least of, uh, of his race at, you know, at the time of Christ's resurrection. Um, and it would culminate when he was, you know, tradition tells us he was crucified upside down, uh, because, you know, he said he didn't, he wasn't worthy to be crucified, uh, the way Jesus was. So he asked to be crucified upside down. But, but this man who had denied the Lord in his own strength and weakness, really, um, this man then in the power of the Holy Spirit went on, to, to write these epistles, stimulate Christians to wholesome thinking, and ultimately die a martyr's death uh, in, in the name of Jesus, his Savior. So uh, it's quite a story, um, and, and there's so much evidence for this story, so much history in this story, but ultimately it boils down to individuals, what, what they do, what we do with Jesus. You know, what, what do I do with this message? And if I just leave it on the shelf, and, and I focus on, you know, my hobbies and my career and my family and my retirement and, and my, and my uh, bank account and all of these things. And everybody, you know, tends to, you know, think about a lot of those things. Um, if that's the only thing that, that I, if that's the only thinking that I'm doing, if that's the only focus of my life, 
you know, my kids' sporting events or teams I want to follow, whatever it is. Think about how empty that is, son, at the end of life, and more importantly, afterlife. I mean, that is so empty if your life is not filled with this message. And so the message of Easter, it's critical that people hear it. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ, because this other stuff can just mask kind of your, maybe your boredom. Uh, it, it can get you through life, and especially here in America, there's plenty of distractions. You can get through life and, and, and have some fun. But my goodness, um, having fun is, is nothing compared to having your sins forgiven. Because when you stand before God, he's not going to ask you, you know, uh, how much fun did you have? He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? Or Jesus will say, what did you do with me? You know, when you stand before him, you know, what did you do with my death? What did you do with my resurrection? And why was it that, that, that sports or your career or, or your retirement, why was that so important to you? Uh, now that now, now we're dealing with your soul. You know, now we're dealing with your eternity. So, so um, yes, Easter is a time for people to, to, uh, to wake up, oh, sleeper, and rise from the dead, as, uh, as Paul wrote in Ephesians. And so what a great time for someone who might be spiritually sleeping, son, to wake up and rise from the dead, rise with Jesus, um, like Peter did. And, uh, and you'll, you'll, be, you'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll have a new purpose, a higher purpose for living than just all these other things that we're all involved with. I mean, we all have bills to pay and jobs and all this stuff, but, and families, this and that. But if you're not living for Christ, then you're not living for your Creator, your Redeemer, your Savior. And so today is the day of salvation. And, Dan, it's definitely... Uh... One of those sayings, you know, where does life begin? That debate, well, I guess in theory, maybe in practicality, life begins at the cross in an empty tomb because without that, Amen. we don't have, uh, we don't have life. We just have a, Amen. a death sentence. Dan, yes, we, we appreciate it as always. I know Easter is a busy time for, you know, pastors such as yourself and, uh, got a lot going on with Holy Week and stuff, but we really appreciate your time to, and your thoughts and sharing with us, uh, the Easter message and how, uh, in fact, how easy it is to accept that gift of eternal life. All we have to do is, you know, for starters, be like the thief on the cross and just believe. And then from there, our relationship grows and and uh, we can look forward to life, eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. And so, Dan, we appreciate it. We look forward to many more conversations and uh, wish you and yours a happy Easter. Well, thank you so much, Son, and to you and yours as well. And and I tell you what, you're a, you're a wonderful podcast definitely does for me and all the listeners um, what I know Peter's epistles did for his, uh, his readers, and even over the centuries since he wrote those, uh, it stimulates us to wholesome thinking. So thank you, Son, for what you do. I know this podcast and just being able to be a part of this with you really stimulates me to wholesome thinking, uh, and that's, that, that's the goal every hour of every day. So thank you for what you're doing, and yeah, have a blessed Easter, Son, and to all the listeners, and and uh, we'll look forward to picking up with another topic, uh, I'm sure, next week. And this has been Sanctified Reason. I'm Son Edom, along with Dan Delzell. And and uh, for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Have a happy Easter. Uh, do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.